Hello, and welcome to this session on the emerging field of wild animal welfare research with Michelle Graham and Oscar Horta. I'm Sophia Davis-Vogel, and I'll be the MC for this session. We'll be starting with a seven-minute talk by Michelle, followed by a six-minute talk by Oscar. Then we'll move on to a live Q&A session where they will respond to some of your questions. Michelle is the Executive Director of Wild Animal Initiative, a nonprofit research and advocacy organization dedicated to understanding and improving the lives of wild animals. She is also pursuing a PhD in comparative biomechanics at Virginia Tech. Previously, she studied physics and philosophy at the University of Oxford and has worked as a teacher and as a veterinary receptionist. Here is Michelle. Today I'm going to talk about advancing wild animal welfare by working in adjacent communities, or as I like to call it, playing nice with others. Before I begin on that topic, let me just outline briefly what wild animal welfare actually is. So Wild Animal Initiative and organizations like ours work to improve the lives of animals living in the wild. And this is separate from biodiversity conservation. Uh, put very simply, biodiversity conservation focuses on preserving the number and diversity of different animal species, whereas wild animal welfare work focuses on improving the quality of life of all species. Uh, our work is also not only focused on harms caused by humans, which might include things like wildlife trafficking or habitat destruction, um, but also uh, causes of suffering that might be perfectly natural, such as disease or research competition, disaster uh, like uh, forest fires or predation. Work that is focused on the welfare of individual wild animals already exists outside the EA community, uh, albeit it's uh, small scales. Um, for example, wildlife rehabilitation. Uh, which often occurs in cities um, or other areas where people bring in injured or impaired wildlife for medical care. Um, and also large-scale efforts have occurred, although not directed primarily at improving wild animal welfare. Some of these efforts um, nevertheless have uh, likely improved wild animal welfare. For example, the efforts to eradicate the screw worm in Central and North America were undertaken to improve outcomes for cattle farmers, but may also have improved the welfare of wild animals who no longer have to uh, suffer from a very painful parasite. Now at Wild Animal Initiative, we often get asked about career paths in research um, and working directly for EA animal welfare organizations. Um, I'll let Oscar talk a little bit more about the variety of research paths, particularly within academia, that are relevant to wild animal welfare. Um, but in terms of working at uh, EA animal welfare organizations, there are only a few organizations like Wild Animal Initiative, Animal Ethics, and Rethink Priorities that work on wild animal welfare using a EA um, priority set. And I want to emphasize that working in an adjacent community may be just as impactful for ultimately accomplishing wild animal welfare goals. The bottom line is that we need help. Three organizations and the level of funding that we receive from within the EA community is not enough to really accomplish major goals of wild animal welfare. Uh, in terms of the research that's getting done, a lot of it is focused on figuring out what to do to help wild animals. But once we figure those things out, we actually have to make those things happen. And this requires convincing people that our goals are good ones and that our approach is correct, uh, getting money to actually accomplish those goals, and actually affecting change in terms of outcomes for wild animals. Taking these three points in turn, um, communities that are adjacent to the wild animal welfare community may have a lot of impact in actually helping us get these uh, things accomplished. 
So animal-focused communities like the animal advocacy community or the veterinary community, particularly within the One Health paradigm, stand in a really good place to advocate for uh, consideration of the welfare of wild animals or actually implement uh, public health policies that might improve um, wild animal welfare. Taxa-specific organizations that straddle the line between conservation and welfare also exist. Uh, for example, the American Bird Conservancy does not think of itself as a wild animal welfare organization, but recently their work helped pass a bill in New York City that mandates that all new buildings uh, use bird-safe glass. This seems very likely to reduce the rate of injury due to building collision that is suffered by wild birds. Additionally, the conservation community, well, uh, I took pains to distinguish the community of conservation from that of wild animal welfare. There are still many people within conservation who care very deeply about the welfare of wild animals uh, and may be very interested in advancing wild animal welfare goals um, in tandem with conservation goals. In particular, the, conservation, the compassionate conservation community is very interested in integrating uh, animal welfare and conservation efforts. Now, focusing on the question of getting money, um, major foundations uh, like the National Science Foundation or the National Institutes of Health, and any role where you have uh, some kind of scientific decision-making power over where money gets allocated is a really valuable position for helping direct more funding to wild animal welfare research projects. Um, and uh, any fundraising effort, really, in general, can be very important for growing our community, especially working within animal-focused communities and uh, that are working on wild animal projects. In terms of affecting change, advocacy of all kinds that can convince the people who control our interactions with wild animals or industries that affect wild animals or land use changes that affect wild animals is incredibly important. This could involve things like lobbying uh, to change decisions within government or campaigning to convince the public, for example, of the value of a particular ballot initiative that might affect wild animal welfare. You could also aim to be a policymaker yourself and help move forward policy decisions that are going to benefit wild animals or work within government implementing those policy decisions. Uh, in the U.S., for example, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service regularly makes decisions about the management of public lands that seem very likely to impact the welfare of animals living on those lands. What I've talked about so far has really focused on career pathways and communities that are relevant, but you might be thinking as a student, what can I be doing now? So some things that you might uh, undertake immediately uh, could be getting an internship or volunteering in one of these adjacent communities. Not only will this give you career experience, it will also help us understand if you go out and into these communities and talk about wild animal welfare, how they perceive these ideas and what ways we might best work with them in the future. You can also try to get an internship or volunteer at a wild animal welfare organization, although as I mentioned, there are not that many of them right now. Um, and so I really encourage people to learn more, pursue a thesis topic or major related to wild animal welfare, and help others learn more by being active on your campus. Focusing specifically on that last bullet point, um, I encourage uh, people who are interested to get in touch with me about a new initiative that Wild Animal Initiative is starting to run reading groups on a variety of campuses um, worldwide. In particular, we are thinking of something like a, a journal club or a seminar series where we might invite speakers who are knowledgeable on wild animal welfare topics or discuss papers related to our work. Um, and we can help you start such a group or come up with content ideas uh, for what to do with such a group. And if you're really motivated, um, we're also looking for a volunteer to help run our overall university outreach program. 
So if you're interested in any of the ideas I've brought up today or interested in volunteering in a capacity like I've just described, I really encourage you to reach out to me or to go to our website to learn more. Thank you. We'll now hear from Oscar Horda. Oscar has been involved in animal advocacy since the 1990s and is a founding member of Animal Ethics. He teaches moral philosophy at the University of Santiago de Compostela and previously worked as a researcher at the Spanish Foundation for Science and Technology. Here's Oscar. Hi, thanks for attending this talk. I'm Oscar and I am a member of Animal Ethics and also a professor at the University of Santiago de Compostela. And I'm gonna be speaking about how to promote research on helping wild animals. This is a very neglected uh, issue and as a cause area is uh, grossly underfunded and there are very few people working on it, despite the fact that wild animals suffer for a number of reasons and that this does not only happen to a minority of them. Uh, some estimates indicate that the vast majority of wild animals suffer very significantly and maybe suffering prevails over positive well-being in their lives. Um, it's true that uh, there have always been people who have been concerned about this and ways of helping wild animals have uh, taken places for a long time already, for decades in some cases. But despite this, as I said before, as a cost area uh, which is recognized as such, is still very new, due to which a carefully planned strategic course of action should be followed. Due to this, we should be distinguishing between ways of helping animals that under maybe ideal conditions could help them most and could reduce uh, more their suffering, and those that are more convenient right now because they have a more significant potential in terms of making it possible to develop in the best way the field. So Animal Ethics has been doing some research on this and we found that there are certain ways of helping animals that are non-controversial and likely to be accepted by scientists and probably by the general public that we therefore recommend, including helping wild animals victims of weather events, vaccinating wild animals against certain diseases, and helping wild animals in urban areas. So the work that needs to be done in order to promote this kind of research is uh, different depending on what we are talking about. In academia, we should certainly promote that um, there's more research on, on these areas. But also, for instance, when we consider uh, animal advocates and effective altruists, what we should be doing in their case is providing more education and clarifying the many confusions that there are still about this topic among these people and also get more support for the reason I just mentioned. Uh, as long as this field continues to be severely underfunded, it's gonna be very, very difficult to make significant progress in it. And then also at some point we can start promoting actual campaigns that animal advocates and the general public can be sympathetic about so the cause can gradually become better understood and respected. So given this, what can students do about this? So first they can consider um, the cause of wild animal suffering as something on which they could be doing research. So uh, for instance, they need to decide what topic they're gonna write their dissertation about. If they're students in biology or ecology, well, there are different topics they could be researching. 
including, for instance, literature reviews about how different factors affect the well-being of animals in different ecosystems, or they could research the potential effects of different forms of helping wild animals. That is, do research in ecology with a welfare-focused approach. Veterinary scientists also could make a great uh, contribution. So students in this area could um, work on expanding uh, veterinary science to include also animals that don't live in captivity. Examples would include assessments of the welfare of animals and not living under direct human control, work on improving ways of handling wild animals without causing them harm, and work on wild animal contraception, work on wild animal vaccination, and other um, related areas. And what about other people? People, for instance, working in, on environmental studies. Well, they could, um, for instance, work on providing a best understanding of the field, on clarifying the concepts uh, used in this. Um, they could also do literature reviews on issues that are relevant for the area. And also people working in social science could do research assessing the attitudes that people in different relevant groups it may be the general public, but it may be also people working in science, uh, animal advocates have towards different ways of helping uh, wild animals. And also people working in law and politics could do research on how to best uh, promote changes in legislation and policy about this topic. And people working in philosophy could work on developing further the case for helping wild animals. And uh, yeah, there may be other people who work on other fields and who can certainly uh, make a, an important uh, contribution. We would encourage them to get in touch with animal ethics for ideas on what they could research. And finally, concerning not just research, but actual advocacy, students are in a very, very good position, in a privileged position in order to encourage more interest in the field they could help to organize events that could be online events like talks targeting students or seminars targeting researchers and maybe professors. They could organize things like, um, for instance, um, reading groups about the field and they could get in touch with groups of students and uh, student societies. So yeah, there is a great deal of things that can be done about this. Um, if you want more ideas, you can get in touch with me. You have my email there, or you can just reach uh, Animal Ethics. So thanks for your attention. Thank you for those talks, Michelle and Oscar. Uh, I'd love to just jump right into some questions. So first for Michelle, uh, in your talk, you pointed out that some possible uh, relationships we might be able to, to have with other communities, you sort of like outlined these, um, but there wasn't much time to get into what you've already done on that work. So I'm wondering both if you could just talk a little bit about what Wild Animal Initiative broadly um, is working on now and has done in the past. And then specifically, if you could talk a little bit um, about like some things that you've done to, to coordinate and collaborate with other communities. Yeah, definitely. Um... So on the topic of what we've done so far and what, what our focuses are, um, we do both research and outreach at Wild Animal Initiative. And our, our core goal is to start more conversations and more research projects about wild animal welfare uh, among researchers. And particularly to get uh, you know, industry scientific funding from outside the EA community to go towards wild animal welfare research projects. 
Um, so we do some research in-house ourselves and our research team chooses projects both on the basis of how impactful they might be for wild animal welfare, but also in terms of their sort of messaging value, how likely it is that we'll be able to get them published in an academic journal or how likely it is that it will start some kind of conversation um, among other academics. Uh, and so, you know, other initiative or other activities we've done on that front include like our advisory panel, which uh, both improves the quality of our research in-house and also brings in academics from a variety of fields to the conversation about wild animal welfare. Um, so some, some of the research we're focusing on right now are uh, pigeon fertility control project uh, that we're investigating. And that's a collaboration between us and a, uh, a researcher at Virginia Tech who's an expert in bird stress physiology. Um, and we're also looking into more information about cause-specific mortality and understanding where the gaps in our knowledge are there. Um, so, and you know, there's a lot more detail on our website that I have time to give now, but uh, a variety of sort of projects with, with those goals in mind. And then in terms of what we've done in terms of reaching out to other communities, as a part of our broader outreach strategy, um, I've connected so far with people in sort of the conservation space to an extent and some people within the veterinary space to, to an extent. And, um, we're sort of at the early stages of really understanding which communities precisely are, are you know, most likely to have, have value and, and be willing to work with us. Um, but I've been like pleasantly surprised by the extent to which you know, a lot of people who do say conservation ethics that I've spoken to have been interested in the ideas that wild animal welfare brings up and, and wanted to talk about them. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And, and to sort of follow up on that a little bit and maybe make uh, make this relevant for some people in the audience. I'm curious, you know, I, I think you did such a good job of, of outlining all of the possibilities that it might almost seem like there's just, you know, massive space here and kind of it might, it might be somewhat overwhelming. So I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on how would you suggest that people think about where to focus their energies? How, you know, how should they narrow it down and decide, like, from what angle can I help wild animals? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this has to do with personal fit, because you're probably not going to make the largest contribution in a space that makes you unhappy. So <laughs> definitely think about what works for you as, a, as someone who wants to contribute. Um, and then I think some of the, the things that are maybe most promising are particularly work in sort of the, the overlap between wild animals and, and human policy. So mm -hmm. any area where humans are, are taking action to affect animals already, and that can be adjusted to be a more humane interaction, that's sort of the low hanging fruit in terms of unpredictable consequences or, or things like that. And those might be an area where we can make small changes to have a big difference. And that could be done from the research angle where you're, you're researching public policy or researching, say, fertility control in order to understand how it can be used for wild animal welfare, or in the policy space of sort of thinking about you know, working in the local government that might make those kinds of decisions. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Okay, that's great. Thanks. So Oscar, uh, I'd love to hear from you as well, and maybe just kind of get an overview of what animal ethics is working on, um, sort of like what, what some of your interesting projects are and uh, what you have in mind for the future. And then also, if you could chat a little bit, just because your presentation focused a little bit more on sort of the content um, of wild animal welfare, I'd love to kind of wrap in a, a really great audience question that we got uh, about the tractability here. So both, you know, what are you working on um, at Animal Ethics? And also, what do you feel like the tractability uh, of those initiatives and those programs is, given that uh, we're, we're in this space where that, that feels like still an open question? Right, thank you. So, well, Animal Ethics doesn't, work only on, on wild animal suffering. We, we do other things and we have an approach to uh, animal advocacy, uh, very much focused on uh, things like challenging speciesism and having a long-termist approach, which is we think lacking. 
but uh, it's true that most of our effort focus on, on, on wild animals. And we've done basically two kinds of things. First, we've done uh, educational work. So we have um, lots of texts um, that are um, meant to be introductions to the issue um, where we tackle different ways in which animals are harmed in the wild and also the reasons why these matter and also uh, the ways in which uh, we could help them and, and in which we, can, we are actually helping them already. Uh, and then, um, well, maybe the most interesting material we've published uh, so far, maybe our video course, which is available on YouTube and you can find in our website, which covers really the, the field in 28 different videos, and which comes also with a companion ebook of more than 200 pages that summarizes basically what we think are the, the basics about, about this. It's, it's called Introduction to Wild Animal Ethics, a, a Guide to the Issues. And then concerning uh, research, we've been focusing on also like, like a wild animal initiative has in trying to develop uh, academic work in this field. And for this, we've done basically three different things. So first we have done some research of our own. So right now, um, similarly to what uh, Michelle said before, we're also working on, on uh, contraception, although we are focusing on large herbivores while they have been working on, on birds. And, and then uh, in addition to this, in addition to uh, doing research of our own, we also have been partnering with uh, people who are at uh, relevant uh, departments where they have been working on wild animal welfare and, and biology. So for instance, um, we've been working with um, uh, a department at Macy University in New Zealand that does research on, on cetaceans, on how to assess the welfare of marine mammals. And our interest here is not really um, just to focus on how these animals could be helped, but also to uh, use this as a way of introducing new concepts, new ideas, and new ways to assess in the, the, the field. Um, this is just an example. We have done this with other universities as well. And also something we've done uh, too is to examine uh, through different studies with interviews with academics and also uh, through um, a survey how um, how um, academics could be interested in this issue? What are the ways of helping animals that seems more promising in terms of, um, you know, uh, provoking more, more research on this? And found that uh, there are three especially promising fields which are helping wild animals that are the, vic the victims of uh, extreme weather events, uh, wild animal vaccination programs, and also finally uh, helping animals, wild animals in urban environments or other areas uh, severely affected by human action. So this shows that the field is definitely a tractable one among other reasons, because uh, in many cases, the interventions we are speaking about are no new ones. Uh, they have been uh, done for, for decades already. Like for instance, as it happens in the case of vaccination. And, uh, and also as, as Michelle mentioned before, uh, often they connect with uh, policies that are already carried out for other reasons, but it just so happens that they can help uh, wild animals too. And we believe that in the future with more research, uh, these kind of interventions could be expanded. There are other ways of helping animals that uh, just need to have uh, more research uh, that can back them and also have uh, the interest of policymakers. So we believe that definitely we should avoid this idea that wild animal suffering is something related to science fiction scenarios that are very far from our reality uh, right now. So yeah, I think this is basically what I would say about tractability as well. 
Fantastic. Yeah. And, and we also have a, I, I think this is somewhat related. We have a, an audience question about funding. Um, so, you know, uh, one of you mentioned that uh, there's sort of, there's some funding limitations in the wild and welfare space. And uh, we have an audience member who's wondering what, what would extra funding uh, accomplish on the margins? And, and this is for either of you, maybe Michelle, if you want to go ahead and start. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I can speak just for Wild Animal Initiative that if we had more money, we could hire more people. If we could hire more people, we could do more activities. Uh, and that's the, sh the short answer. Um, but, but in terms of very specific programs, I think Wild Animal Initiative would love to run with more funding. I would love to be able to run a fellowship program, more connections, more direct outreach. Um, and I see we're running well on time, so I won't say too much more, but I have a whole plan. <laughs> Fantastic. Oscar, do you want to just chime in here for a moment? Well, yeah, if we have time, I mean, in, in just a few seconds, I would I would just back what Michelle just said, uh, same happens with us. We're severely underfunded. We have uh, people who would work on this and we have lots of ideas, lots of things that could be done with academics as well. But yeah, we are definitely underfunded. The field is severely neglected. So this can be a very good use for your donations, actually. Great, great. Yeah, and I think your earlier comments about tractability really help here too to kind of understand that that, that extra funding there there are really a, real, a lot of great applications for it. So that was very helpful to wrap in. Thank you. So I, I just want to thank you both. This was really fantastic. We're we're running out of time, but these were great talks, and I really enjoyed the conversation. And I'm glad you were both here. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.